Take your Bibles and open up to the Gospel of Matthew this morning. And uh, we are, if you're new here, and I met several guests uh, this morning, a lot of uh, folks visiting with us. Florida, I don't know what you're thinking coming back up to the cold, just kidding. Um, I know, this time of year, we're all thinking we want to go south where it's warm, right, Bruce? <laughs> but welcome. Listen, if you're a guest um, and you're new, maybe you're checking out Centerpoint, you're looking for a home church, typically the um, first Sunday of every month, we get together and we have lunch together. We invite people who are new and checking out the church uh, to sit down. It's usually a small setting. But we will have it the first Sunday of February. We didn't do it today. Schedule and it's wonderful. How many of you are ready for the kids to go back to school? We love you guys. It's been great having you home. Bye-bye. No, not just kidding. Nice. Um, So... The first Sunday of February, I'd like to invite you to come and uh, just sit down with us. But if you fill a Connect card, um, you should have got one of those when you came in. Just so that we can uh, plan for your visit. Uh, we'd love to have you join us. Um, if, if you're new here, I want to kind of set the table a little bit because we have been preparing for where God's bringing us in 2020. We've spent about seven weeks in preparation to get into where I really felt as your pastor, the Lord was bringing us into 2020. Fire this morning, right? And I said, well, I don't, or the heat, I think is what he said. I said, well, I hope the heat's on, but people have been complaining about it being cold in here. And I know that the, the forced hot air feels cool when it blows on you. I apologize. But I said, well, I think the temperature, he said, no, not that heat. I mean, the heat, oh, the heat of the word. Yes, I hope that we are going to bring that. Um, but if you're new and you're visiting with us, and, and you might m- maybe say, well, I don't know, but you can jump right in. You do, even if you missed the last seven weeks of kind of leading up to this, we're beginning a new series today. Uh, and I, I had promised you, well, I don't I think I promised, but I told you we would have uh, a booklet for you this week that's going to lead. One of the things that I, I know in our world is missing today is, is commitment. There's, um, there's a lot of lack of commitment in the world to go to the next level. And superficial, to not be casual, to not be lackadaisical in your faith. Um, in your life in general, but really the core of your life is where your heart is and where your faith is about. And, and one thing I've discovered in life is nothing that you do halfway is ever any fun. Um, like either get in the game Great, you just said it. So are you guys... It requires sacrifice, it requires commitment. And so today, uh, we're beginning a, like I said, seven weeks. And I'm beginning with a topic that is very, very unpopular. <laughs> Praying and fasting. Has, has anybody ever fasted? Uh, you know what fasting is. Fasting is to go without what? Food. Mm. I like food. Enjoy that. 
But we're challenging you today uh, for your spiritual... Jesus say to either be hot or cold. If you're lukewarm, he doesn't want to have any... But there, you're going to be double-minded journey that we've been talking about and preparing for for seven weeks now. And this morning is, is really uh, week one of this message next week and, and stuff that you can do on a regular basis. But we also have our Bible reading plan. It's on our, um, it's on our website, um, but you can pick one of these up in the lobby. Uh, I've already begun, began mine, uh, and some of you who haven't, many of you did last week, you took one of these home. But it's an it's a annual reading plan because we discovered many people have never read through the Bible, and we want to help you to read through the Bible. And this will go somewhat along with our message, not exactly every single week, but we also want to give you a daily Bible reading plan. So it's, it's comprised of five days of Bible reading. So if you miss a day here or there, you can make it up and still be on track to read through the entire Bible uh, and get the gist of what the whole Bible story is. Have you ever opened up the Bible and read something and said, what the heck does this mean? I don't even know what they're talking about and why does it matter? Has anybody ever done that or just me? Okay, I have too. Like, yeah, numbers. Like, why? So this plan will take you chronologically through the Bible, help you to understand the stories of the Bible. And most of you understand that the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are really the story of the life of Christ, but they're all told from their perspectives. So it kind of brings all of that together so you're not reading everything multiple times. But we, we truly believe that the, the thing that is absolute truth is the Word of God. And we were just talking about uh, this morning, Keith and I, about the world that we live in is, is made up of just moral relativism, cultural relativism. Well, if that's your truth, that's good for you, but that's not how I feel, but this is my truth. The, the only truth that is constant, that is not changing, is the truth of God's Word. Even science is changing. Science changes, and I was talking to somebody about this. Oh, yeah, something that they said was true last year is not true anymore scientifically. They've discovered this. It's God's holy. Uh, the series that I'm starting on today is really the. Today we're going to talk about a story, and I shared with you last week. So open up your Bible, Matthew chapter 17, and uh, we're going to talk about the cure of unbelief. So. I'm going to put this scripture up there for you. Some people ask me what translation is the best. I like to preach out of the ESV, the English Standard Version. I find it the closest to the original, but more English modern day that I understand. There's lots of translations that I like, um, but ultimately I want to get to the original core of what the Lord was saying as he had the Bible was inspired by God, written by man. So Matthew chapter... When they came... To the crowd, a man came up to him and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy seizures and he suffers terribly for often he falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples and they answered, oh, faithless and verse 15. Somehow we missed something there. That's probably 16. And, and Jesus... Re 
the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why? And Jesus said, Because. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will. And nothing. That you would use your words. Ears to be open to hear and to receive from you, and you would transform our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. And however, verse 21. And does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. So... We're starting to really get deeper into what's the have you serving the Lord for a long time? Maybe different stages of our walks with Christ. Some people I know spoke to me recently and said, Pastor, I, I have never studied the Bible. I've never really read the Word of God. And so they're taking this Bible plan, asking what kind of Bible should I buy? And that's exciting to me that people are getting into God's word because again, that's what we need, folks. That's what's gonna change us. But I want you to understand the value that God places on prayer. God places a special value on prayer when it costs us something. When it costs us something. Uh, I think I have that slide up there, Isaac, if you would help me with that. And sometimes we, we are praying as kind of, I'll pray when I go to sleep. But praying is much more than that. And this is what we want to get into understanding. Those who seek him with a sincere and intense desire, a passion, a desperation in their prayer life that you truly want to know God will know a power with God that others will never know. When, to, the intent, to the extent that you go after God, to the extent that you pursue... If you're a Sunday Christian... That means like Sunday is the only time you think about God, the only time you read your Bible, the only time you really get serious about worship and prayer on Sunday, then your relationship will be comprised of about that much. One day out of seven. Do the math. It's not very good, right? If there's an intense desire that you want to know God, you want to be in intimate, abiding fellowship with God, if you want to grow it, as John 15 said, if you're not abiding in Christ, how do I abide in Christ? Do you go to church on Sunday and therefore abide in Christ? No. You get into his word. You get into prayer. You begin to seek the face of God. And then you begin to abide in Christ. And then you begin to bear fruit. And then people know you're a Christian. Fruit in your life. Right? So we should bear the fruit. Remember... Prayer that costs you nothing is worth nothing. But the opposite is also true. Prayer that costs something is worth something. Scriptures often link prayer and fasting. Abstinence from food can be a, a very valuable and significant spiritual exercise. Uh, and I know that, again, it's not popular. But on the earthly side, it promotes clarity and it promotes um, concentration from the heavenly side, when you're fasting, it seems that the Lord is, is anxious to answer prayer 
when we put prayer before food. But you go a meal or two without eating and you'll be hungry, right? But here in the story before us, let's summarize this. We, we see in the story that we go from the mountain of glory to the valley of need. Jesus suddenly appears with his, his three disciples, his three closest, Peter, James, and John. And he shows up to nine other disciples that are on the scene. And they're on the scene and there's a problem. There's a distraught father and his demonized son. And there's nine of Jesus' closest followers, his disciples, nine of them, kind of with their hands up like this, like, we don't know what to do. And, and if you go back, you discover in Matthew that Jesus had already empowered them and given them power, but they still weren't able to accomplish the task at hand, to set this demonized boy free of his affliction. So now there's... Uh, with the scribes and the Pharisees saying, oh man, look at Jesus' disciples can't do anything here. So let's break this down, verses 14 through 16, and let's look at number one, the problem. look at the Gospels, Matthew talks about this, and Mark talks about it, Luke talks about it. Matthew says that this boy is epileptic, he's ill, he's even suicidal, he's falling into the fire and he's falling into the water. This is Matthew's description of it. This guy is messed up. We got a problem with this kid. Mark says the boy is a mute. And again, every, every account, you, there's going to be a little bit of a different view from the Gospels of what Mark saw, what Matthew saw. It says he's a mute. He would often fall to the ground, foaming at the mouth, grinding his teeth. Luke says the boy was the only son of this man. Who's a sick boy. There's a problem. If you're a parent here and you're looking at the situation, I want you to... And his mother, you bring him to the disciples. Imagine what you would do if you went to the doctor. Well, I don't know what to do. I can't fix him. Even the disciples in verse 16. And this goes back to after in Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 and 8. Jesus had given them the power and the authority over the demons. So if you look back earlier in Matthew, Jesus had already empowered his disciples. You have authority over the minions of the earth. They don't have authority over you. You have authority over them, Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 and 8. So this had already been done. Jesus had given his disciples the authority and the power over the demons and over the powers of this earth. And here they are calling Jesus back on the scene saying what? Help! We can't do the job that you called us to do. The demons, the disciples were embarrassed. They were, the scribes were arguing. Look at this mess. Look at what's going on. The father was desperate and the son was in need of help. And Jesus, the Bible. Of his disciples. Look at what he says. How long shall I be with you and put up with you? Back together. I showed you how to do And yet you still are lacking spiritually. Why? What's the problem with the spiritual authority? 
So number two, let's look at verses 17 and 18. He talks about the power. And Jesus rebuked the devil. Bam, done deal. Well, of course, he's Jesus. But wait a second. Remember, he gave the disciples that same authority. And I, that same authority. And when he left this earth, he says, I'm leaving you with my authority. See, Jesus just raised the boy up off the ground and he gave him back to his father. And again, a bit of a power was demonstrated. What we have to look at in verses 19. Why why could we not deal with the problem? Why can we not? Why is it not happening? Are you wondering why? I'm wondering why. Why, why can they not do it? This is what he says in verse 20. Very simply, because of your unbelief. So how, when we look at this, how does the faith to, to have the ability to pray like this and to really believe that God can do what he says he can do, that God will do it. says this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. This kind doesn't go out. This doesn't happen. This power and authority only through prayer and fasting in verse 21. So while, while Jesus wasn't around, this is kind of what happened. The, the, when, you, you know, the, the mice, when the cat's away, the mice will play, right? So Jesus... ...absent from that, the disciples at that moment in time... They became distracted. Wellingham, they, they neglected. And you know what? That happens to us, doesn't it? It doesn't happen. My word, and I go to church, but we. half-hearted Christian life going through the most so we have to be intentional about that church we have to do something about rekindling that intimacy it's just like your relationship with your spouse should begin to take it for granted just blah 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 we, we kind of lose that fire kindling at have the to rescue the boy, but they had been not to taught them because Jesus was away. Well, Jesus is not around. We can hang out. We can be self-indulgent. We can uh, eat, sleep, and be merry, get fat and happy, and drink a little extra wine, and do a little bit of this, and do a little bit of that. Become lazy, spiritually. lazy 
Remember, he didn't realize that the power had left him, right? Remember when he broke up? I'll just take on the Philistines like I've done every time. Roar, see me roar. Yeah, he roared, but there was no power there. The Holy Spirit had left him because he grieved the Holy Spirit. When the crisis came, they were unprepared and they were simply unprepared. Guys, the, 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 the realities of life is distractions cares and worries of this world can really miscue your priorities, all right? Life happens, relationships happen, of Jesus being the first priority of my life slips down a notch and another notch and another notch, and it's like, oh yeah, God's still in my life, but, but you know, he's kind of there because here there's my family, there's Realize that we begin to lack, just like Jesus' disciples did. So what's the principle of the story here that we're learning? What are the two things that Jesus strong and to keep strong? Faith. Trust in the Word of God and prayer. To grow strong and to keep strong. And prayer needs the discipline of fasting for its fullest development and usefulness. Now, some of you in here and I'm not talking about fasting because you got to get blood work done in the morning right <laughs> the doctor makes you fast I'm talking about why fast and what it's about and it's giving up food it's it's starving this the physical man to feed the spiritual man is really what it's doing and it's not pleasant it doesn't feel good there's not a lot of fun. And it's supported by you learning to wait on Jesus. Of prayer. And understand that prayer is more effective. Increased in our life as we learn to live in moderation. Have you ever? We learn to de deny the flesh. Seen and not the natural, which is feeding the natural man, the fleshly man. really, really super-duper spiritual, and I'm just not there yet. Well, here's what we're talking about. Do you have a hunger to want forms you from the inside out, or are you happy just to punch in? But, but when we're living that out, 
spiritual just to Can anybody go 40 days without eating? Uh, it's the absence of... And I know that it, you probably... <laughs> And that we can get hangry. Um, it's a willingness to deny the natural man to feed the spiritual man. It's a tool the Lord uses to help us live in moderation. To give power to our prayer life. It's sacrificing the gratification of our senses to deepen our commitment and our communion with Christ. And it's laying aside, it's laying aside what satisfies fleshly cravings to put attention on what satisfies spiritual hunger. That's what fasting is. What fasting is not, it's not fast. I'll tell you that right now, right? Um, it's not, it's not um, earning God's grace by works. It's not like, oh, I'll, I'll do this and then God will be really, you know, giving me grace. It's not twisting God's arm until he does. not eat and I'm going to fast until God does it. It's not what it's about. It's not bargaining with God. It's important for you to understand what it's not. It's not making God a servant to our wishes. Well, God, I did this. I gave up food and you didn't do that. You know, you didn't uphold your end of the bargain. That's, if you go into it with that and that's your heart and your mindset, Fasting is you and I getting into the place where God can do what he's been wanting to do all along. God, please understand this. God desires to have an intimate, abiding relationship with you. Every single one of you, no matter what your age, no matter what your, you know, any, your background, no matter your socioeconomic status, I don't care if you're a young person or the oldest person in this room, God desires an intimate abiding fellowship and relationship with you. And that requires some intentionality on your part. It doesn't just happen because God wants it. Again, he says, as you draw close to me, I draw close to you. So fasting puts you in a place where God can do what he's been wanting to do all along. It's you and I aligning ourselves with the, to the purposes of God. And it's God preparing us for what he wants to do. It's giving God an opportunity to channel His grace and His power in and through our lives. I don't know about you, but I, I want God's grace and His power flowing through me, operating through me. God. 
healing. Now, you say, well, pastor, God doesn't heal everybody. And I know people have had all kinds of faith. And, and I get that. I understand that. And, and I'm not God, and I don't know why he doesn't. I know that we live in a fallen, broken world, and bad things happen to good people. I get all that. Many of you in this room today are recipients of really bad, lousy stuff that's happened to you through your lifestyle. And it's not fair. And that's the world that we live in. I understand that. I get that. But fasting is aligning you with the purposes and the priorities of God. It's you saying, God, regardless of the cost or the And I want to see, Lord, that power demonstrated. And it's far too long the church has not been operating in the power and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit just going through the motions. I'm tired of that. How about you? I want to see people set free, delivered, healed, Right? Living in victory, walking in victory, in the midst of the trials and the pain and the heartache of life, because that, that's the reality of it. So there's three types of fasting, as I, I want to give you this morning. And many people wonder, is it, is it scriptural or biblical <clears throat> to do a partial fast or to fast certain types of food? And, and what about drinking liquid? Can I not drink liquid? And all these things. So there's a couple fasts, and I think I've written them down for you. There's a partial fast, <clears throat> excuse me, or a Daniel fast. Zach, can you grab me that water, please? And that, that includes, uh, it says in Daniel, that I ate <clears throat> no pleasant bread, no delicacies. I am like a carboholic. I'm Italian. Uh, I tell my wife, you have to have bread with every meal, even breakfast. It's important. Lunch and dinner, you've got to have that. But this is what a Daniel fast is. Um, Neither came flesh, meat, nor wine in my mouth till three whole weeks were fulfilled. So we learn about the restrictions <clears throat> of diet instead of a total abstinence from food. Uh, and many feel this is a good way to begin fasting by omitting certain foods. And you can, uh, you can Google a Daniel fast. We'll actually have a print for you because this is what a lot of people uh, choose to do. It's kind of, you know, it's <clears throat> certain foods. Um, and without, I don't want to get into everything. It's basically fruits, nuts, vegetables, uh, drinking water only, or juices that have no sugar and preservatives and all that stuff. So it's, it, there's a cleansing to the Daniel fast, um, and it's, it's, a, it's a great fast to start. And it, it resulted, the Bible says, is it, question, is it profitable? So Daniel, it resulted in, in huge spiritual victories and power over the darkness, and it also brought Daniel wisdom and understanding. Um, you need wisdom. For, and a lot of people say, well, I, can, I fast when I have a specific need or when I need wisdom or I need to make a decision. And, and that's true. That is an, a good reason to fast often. But I encourage fasting as a normal and regular discipline that you should institute in your life. Because about every week, about seven days in a week, man, it's easy to kind of lose focus. Isn't it? Maybe you do a meal a week or a day a week or, or you fast a couple of things that you really like for a long period of time that you're going to give up coffee, some people. And this is, Daniel fast is also giving that up. So then there's the normal fast. We'll have these broken down for you next week as we kind of launch into this next Sunday. Uh, Luke chapter 4, and in those days he did not, he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, he didn't eat anything. So the absolute fast in Acts chapter 9, um, these are specific fasts talked about in the scripture. I don't recommend the absolute fast uh, for really without major, major God spoke to you 
give up because people can live without fluid for a few days, but it's very dangerous. Um, and I don't recommend this for people, but this is talked about in Exodus and Esther and Ezra. And this was never more than four, uh, three days in the scripture that this was talked about. Um, but those are three basic types of fast. Some people say, well, can I fast media? Can I fast TV? Can I fast all? Those are all things that we're going to be talking about. You can give those things up, but those are not really fasting. A biblical fast is food. All right? Right? Are you with me? Everybody say food. And it's when we give up some type of food. Maybe you love having this or love having that. Some of you who are new to this, I recommend you maybe start with a meal a day um, and give that up. And don't just not eat and get busy doing something else. The purpose is to, to not eat food, to spend time with God. Spend time praying. Now, Lord, I'm really hungry right now, but the reason I'm hungry right now is because I'm starving my flesh to feed my spirit. And so instead of getting hangry, I'm going to open my word. And by the way, by the way, when you open your word, you open your Bible, your reading plan. I, I meant to say this on a video this week, and I forgot to do that. But every time you open your Bible and you're doing the reading plan, don't just say, all right, I got my little thing here, I'm going to do my reading plan. Every time you open it up, say, Holy Spirit, as I open your word today, I pray that you would speak to my heart, that they wouldn't just be words that I'm reading, but I would be understanding the Bible through your Holy Spirit's inspiration in a way like I never have. Please do that every time you open it up. Don't just do it out of, all right, I got to go through the motions and read the Bible so I can say I read the Bible this year and check that box because it can be another box that you check. But it's so much more than that. It's so much more than that. It's you saying, Holy Spirit, speak to me. So when should I fast? Scripture says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 15, can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them. The bridegroom is Jesus. And then shall they fast. Matthew chapter 9, verse 15. The then in verse 15 that this is talking about is this present age. We, the church, are awaiting the return of Jesus, the bridegroom. Understand what this is talking about. So the apostles began the first fast in Acts chapter 13 after the ascension of Jesus when he went to be with the Father. From his ascension until him coming again, that is the time to fast. Now is the time to fast. And again, it's not like a, you're never going to eat again until Jesus returns. It's making that discipline a part of your life, that spiritual discipline, for the purpose of growing more intimately close to your Father. And I know, I can tell by some of your faces, you're like, I ain't doing that. <laughs> Don't do it because I said for you to do it. But here's, here's what I will say corporately and collectively as a church. I'm calling our church as your leader, as the pastor, to go deeper. And we've been preparing for this for a long time. So I'm challenging you. I'm challenging you to, to not just say, eh. And if you're, not, if you're a visitor, you're not, this is not your home church, please understand, this is to our church people. Um, but it's a charge and it's a challenge to us. If you say, this is my church, that we as a church are moving forward. And there are some things that, you know, we talked about the one service agenda that we've got to be unified in and we've got to be in one accord in. And I understand there's physical reasons in this room. Not everybody can do this. I, I get that. And I talk to people all the time about that. But there are some other things that can be done to help you be on board with this. So this is a collective call as a church that we move forward. And it should be a normal part of our life. So how should I fast? This is what the Bible says, Matthew 6, verse 17 and 18. 
But thou, when thou fast, anoint your head with oil and wash your face, that you may appear unto men to, um, unto men, not, sorry, that you appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and the Father which is in secret shall reward you openly. So you say, why the, the, the washing of the face, the anointing of the head? What this is talking about is this was forbidden in the Jewish canon on the days of fasting and humiliation, and the hypocrites were doing this to appear as though they were fasting. And so the point here that it's making in the scripture is don't do it to be seen by man. Don't say, hey, look at me. I'm more spiritual because I'm doing this. That's not why we do it. We fast unto God. So we fast as unto the Lord. Isaiah chapter 58. And I don't have this whole passage up there. You can look in your Bible. Isaiah chapter 58, verse 6 through 12. I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation because I really like the way this worded it. So hear with your hearts today or look in your Bibles or on your, uh, your app there on your phone. Now this is the kind of fast I want. Listen to this. Free those who are wrongly in prison. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind them. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who have need. And do not hide them, do not hide from your relatives who need your help. Then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Your, God, your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, I am here. He will quickly reply. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as the bright as the noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an overflowing garden or overflowing spring. Some of you, some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you will be known as a rebuilder of the walls and a restorer of homes. So our fast here must be initiated by God and done only for true God results. And this is when we align our hearts with God, this is what God's calling us to do. And we talked about this a little, a little while ago in our series, Unto the Least of Them. Who has God called you and I to reach? Who's, who's He called us to be? Our fasting has got to be motivated with a desire to accomplish God's sovereign will. That's it. That's it. Do you want your life to accomplish His will? Do you want to get up every morning and then put your head to rest at night and say, you know what, today was a day that I feel like I did all I could to honor God and to accomplish His will and His purposes through my life. That's what I want to do. Yes, go about my duties, my responsibilities, and, and do what needs to be done at work, but I want to accomplish the will of God. And this is what fasting does. It aligns your heart with the heart of the Father. Why do we fast? To rid us of pride. Well, I'm not proud. Well, if that's what you're saying, that's the number one reason that says you are. I wept and humbled my soul with fasting. Psalm 69. We fast to bring answers to prayer. So we fasted and we earnestly, we intimately sought God for this and He heard our prayer. Ezra 8. We fast to withhold God's judgment. 
The people of Nineveh proclaimed a fast and God repented of the evil that he said would, he would do unto them and he did it not. Jonah chapter 3. To set others free. Is not this the fast that I have chosen to let the oppressed go? I just read that in Isaiah 58. We fast because it increases our sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Do you know that Jesus fasted in preparation to fulfill was paramount in their lives. Daniel chapter 9, Daniel prayed and fasted and the heavenly messenger came and brought him wisdom and understanding. We could go on and on and on. We clearly see that God shows himself to those who passionately seek him through prayer and fasting. It's an, I believe, a, a critical discipline that we have to establish we don't we we, we don't fast to get visions and revelations we don't uh those are the byproducts visions and revelations those are the byproducts of those who live close to jesus but our fasting simply aligns us with the purpose and the will of god in fasting you and i let go of the temporary which is food and in praying, we take hold of the supernatural ability of God. And so my prayer for you and for every single person here, young and old, is that we would take hold of that. So when, when, how, where, pastor, do we do this? And again, maybe you're new. Maybe you're like, man, I'm just not sure about all this. Maybe you're, very, maybe you're a seeker. And you say, wow, I haven't really accepted Christ in my heart as my Lord and Savior. Yeah, do that through praying. Hey, God, if you're real, reveal yourself to me. Show me that you're real. Show him that you mean business by giving something up to pursue him. Because anything done with that half a heart, that's the response you're going to get. So in closing, we wrap this up this morning. What does fasting do? It gives greater force in your prayer. Greater sensitivity to God's spirit. Greater increase of faith in God's ability. Greater control over the physical man. You're having problems with the physical man and controlling the physical man. You know, whatever it might be. Whatever the cravings are that you know are not godly. Over the lust for food, the flesh, and uncontrolled appetite. Greater concentration, consecration to do the will of God. And greater results in praying for those who are non-believers. There's a lot of Christians, or a lot of people who are not Christian, non-believers. And a greater awareness of God's guidance, direction, and presence in your life. Seeking the Lord. God, I need direction. I uh, talked to someone this morning, and this is not to single anyone out, but they're uh, looking at a new church, and I said, you know what? I want you to be where God wants you to be. And if it's here, praise God. If it's not here, you want to be where God wants you to be, right? So how do you, how do you know those things? By prayer and consecration. By sincerely seeking the will of God. I think in this world, too many times we get very easily distracted by what our flesh and carnal man wants and not what God wants. What is God's voice and what is my voice? It's, it's learning how to distinguish between what is what I want and what is what he wants. 
It's very easy to say, oh, not my will, but your will be done, God, and then just go ahead and do what you want to do, right? Because we all have our want to. We all have our fleshly, carnal desires. That's who we are as people. Fasting is, is crucifying those fleshly, carnal desires. It's sacrificing that flesh man to feed the spirit man, to be in tune with the Holy Spirit, and to be able to better hear his voice. But it's not just here, it's here. It's where we hear the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Would you stand to your feet with me? I'm just going to have Pastor Zach come in a moment and close. And here's, here's the uh, challenge. In fact, I'd like to just kind of wrap things up a little differently this morning. Um, with op- opening up the altars as we close, if, if you want to pray and seek the Lord uh, and really just kind of use today as a, as a realigning, no better time to do it. <laughs> don't, don't walk out and say, oh, I'll give that some thought. You know, if the Holy Spirit's prompting you, what I've discovered in my life is if I don't respond right away, it's easy for me to kind of forget and kind of go my own way. So uh, Pastor Zach's going to come and close in prayer, but uh, I'm going to ask some of our prayer team and our altar workers, some of our board members that are here, if they'd be willing to just step up front and pray uh, some of our, our leaders, our women's and men's leader. Mark, would you come? And Andy, would you come? And, and Sue, you can come. Um, Mary, sorry. Just be willing to pray with folks that might say, you know, I really just want to get serious. Some of our board, would you guys come on down? Um, and Pastor Zach's going to close in prayer. If you would like prayer, I just really need some help with things. Um, these altars are open. If you want to pray on your own, you don't want anybody to pray with you, these altars are open for prayer as well. Pastor Zach. Lord, we love you and thank you that you're here speaking to us all the time. We thank you for the word that you've given us through Pastor Craig this morning, and I pray that as we um, go into this next 40 days of transformation, and as we move into this new year, uh, Lord, help us to uh, just figure out what what um, it means to seek after you, what it means to truly go after you. And Lord, I pray that uh, if it's if you're calling us to fast, that you will uh, make that clear to every single person that you're calling. Lord, I pray that you will show yourself to us. And let this not just be a, a thing that we can check off our to-do list and then move forward and, and be the same throughout the year, but let this be a time of tr- true transformation. Let this be a time that uh, we really are changed by who you are and by what you speak to us. So we love you, God. I pray a special blessing over every single person that's here as they go this week and as they seek after you and they figure out what, what this uh, next few weeks is going to look like for them. I pray that you will speak to us clearly. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the altars are open, and uh, if you feel like you uh, would like to come up and have prayer, that's awesome. Otherwise, we will see you next week.